Welcome back to Realcast, the weekly roundup of the real asset markets. My name's Richard Betts, and I'm joined by regular guests James Wallace, Dan Innes, and Nicole Dines. Um, Let's start with you, James. Um, what have you been following? Well, actually, the uh, European investment volume by Saddles came out uh, recently uh, during our break, and they show that the total volumes for H1 was just a whisker under 119 billion euros, which is actually only 1.3% below uh, first half of 2019. And that's obviously thanks to uh, the, the strong Q1 before the pandemic sort of, you know, affected uh, transaction volumes. In Q2, the volumes were 36.2 billion, uh, which was the lowest quarterly volume for about seven years and down almost 50% compared to the same period. But um, within those uh, headline numbers masks some huge variation in the investment volume differences between countries. So it was actually Germany that was the standout, strongest performer, no surprise. Uh, its year-on-year uh, -year investment volume just for the market of Germany was actually 31% higher than the same six-month period uh, last year, which equates to 10 billion extra in transactions. And that was largely driven by Germany's multifamily sector. The fact that they closed in H1 um, 12.5 billion euros of transactions, which is almost two-thirds of Europe's entire 20-some billion in multifamily transactions. And so it shows you just how resilient that has been, despite everything. And there's been some other standout kind of uh, markets that actually outperformed, which is interesting. But they are the smaller markets, so it's easier for bigger swings in smaller markets. Luxembourg, a tiny property market, that market saw a massive spike of 173% in uh, turnover volumes compared to H1 last year. Portugal was up 42%, and Czech Republic was also up double digits. Uh, at the other end, those markets that did quite badly uh, included Ireland, Norway, and Italy, which were all between sort of uh, forty-five percent negative and thirty percent negative compared to the same period last year. Um, there were some other uh, thematic uh, sector highlights. For example, in the uh, logistics sector, uh, there was a total of thirteen point three billion across Europe in H one, and that compared to fourteen and a half billion in the same period last year. So it's a decline of about eight percent. And actually, retail investment volume reached. 18.3 billion. So that's actually up 1%. And the reason that might sound a bit counterintuitive, but the reason why uh, European retail investment volumes has done so well is because there were actually, despite the doom and gloom at the high street level, quite a lot of uh, transactional activity due to kind of uh, food anchored retailers that have performed quite well. And that's drawn quite a lot of attention of retail investors that have seen how resilient it is. And so there's been some uh, sizable transactions around those kinds of uh, assets. Uh, finally, in offices, uh, investment volumes reached uh, just shy of 40 billion uh, in the first half of the year. And it's, so it still remains the predominant asset class, accounts for like a third of all volumes. Uh, but that, that, the weighting of offices uh, is actually starting to come down. And I wonder whether that will sort of continue in the second half of the year too. Uh, it used to be 40% uh, of the total volumes of uh, European transactions and it's now down to a third. Yeah, it's interesting to see um, how some of these sectors are evolving. I was talking to um, Rick Graf at Pinnacle because he's joining us at RealX next week. And just interesting to see that multifamily really coming through now, perceived as a US um, sector, but now really coming through across Europe, I think. And James, in terms of the forecast, did you, did you get any data coming through? Yes, Apple's actually did hint uh, that they think that 
actually Q3 will be quite slow in terms of transaction volumes. And that's partly because uh, site visits have been restricted, which is going to slow down due diligence. So we should expect muted volumes for Q3 and with a, with a bit more of a bounce back in Q4. So uh, they've given a range of expectations at European investment volume annual tally, the total is between 220 and 260 billion uh, euros. And uh, that is anywhere between minus 29 and minus 16 compared to 2019. Great. Nicole, what, what have you been following? Well, Savills again brought out a really interesting report on logistics uh, in Europe. And uh, as uh, everyone knows, the logistics sector has done well during the lockdown. And there are some, they add some figures to that. It sort of speeded up online retail sales by about, by about a year, they, they say. And to just give an example, in the UK, it's gone up to 33%, which is uh, quite, quite the biggest percentage um, ever. And the six main EU economies, online sales were predicted to rise from 12% in 2019 to 16.2% uh, this um, so that's that's the good news and, and then figures on what we knew but um, there's sort of a lot of question marks uh, a lot of uncertainty ahead uh, because uh, of consumer confidence uh, being low uh, you know worsening economic situation in most European countries uh, as we expect which will obviously not help um, sales in general and also the WTO the World Trade Organization expects um, global trade to, to, to contract by anything between 13 and 31 percent this year uh, so uh, logistics is doing well but it's got a lot of challenges ahead that's the bottom line great um and uh, dan what have you been saying well over here in the uk on the news front um covid continues to shake up the the leisure and hospitality sector and you know sandwich chain pret-a-manger last week they announced a major shift in their strategy in response to that you know their recent struggles you know mainly because of course they suddenly lost its core clientele largely commuters and office workers the chief exec admitted that they've really been too reliant on london um, and of course we've seen them expanding across europe as well but the company's now going to shift its operations and strategy a bit more to focus on dinner deliveries and out-of-town shops um, so they, they reported that sites in London had seen 60% lower sales probably not unexpected um, compared to a year ago but with even worse numbers in the city of London which of course is if anyone's been uh, to walk around city of London recently is, is pretty quiet um, they also admitted they had to lay off nearly 3,000 staff um, a third of its UK workforce and closed 28 London stores but this refreshed strategy um, it's gonna you know as part of that they've actually even opened up a dark kitchen which has been a very big topic at uh, the appetite or the or the, the MAPIC food uh, discussions on, in the retail sector. Elsewhere, of course, you know, many of us, we obviously, we, we saw Hammerson fall out of the FTSE 250. And that was just days after the company had raised 800 million to sort of strengthen its finances. So Hammerson now sits in the FTSE small cap index. Hammerson's seen its shares fall by, you know, nearly 70%, uh, or just over 70% over the last 12 months, um, as it's been sort of battling the different um, headwinds. But um, at the same time, you know, the company's still looking for successor to David Atkins. Um, but, you know, it seems like they're going to have to look outside the company for that role. Um, and meanwhile, British Land, on the other hand, they were expected to fall out of the FTSE 100 and go into the FTSE 250. But, um, you know, after those results earlier this year, but, but they've, they've just about sort of clung on to, 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 to the 100. And then last up, Brunswick Real Estate. 
Uh, they've announced the launch of a third senior debt fund. They've already secured 1.2 billion euros for that, which is phenomenal in this market. The Stockholm-based asset managers, you know, they, they've, they've got backers including insurer Folksam Group. They've got Nor- Norway's largest life insurer, KLP, uh, listed in that, uh, in backers. And that new fund's going to focus on lending to Swedish commercial property with clear sustainability goals. So that comes back to our ESG discussions uh, before. Um, um, and they're looking for those kind of um, investments with you know, maturities over, you know, of up to 10 years. So like their previous funds, this Brunswick Real Estate Capital 3, as it's going to be called, is going to be unleveraged. And, um, you know, a formal first close is expected later, later this autumn. That fund's sort of double the size of the company's previous fund as well. And that marks a pretty major achievement for them. And of course, remember, they've also got a UK team uh, too, led by Will Amies and, and David Turner. Actually, I've been looking at uh, the Bank of England's uh, lending data among UK banks and building societies. They've produced monthly data sets um, for the UK market. And... Uh, this month, well, for the most recent months announced it for July, uh, net property lending uh, was down 1.8 billion uh, compared to 64 million uh, rise in the month of June. Now, you shouldn't look at too much uh, from single months. I mean, it could just imply that there's been like a, a large, uh, a small number of large repayments in any one month. But more broadly, I think the sentiment within the, the lending market is kind of diverging between the way in which banks are thinking about the uh, post-pandemic, uh, certainly the, the, the future, uh, and, and how alternative lenders like Dan's uh, uh, story about Brunswick. I, I, I sense that like, banks are starting to exercise greater caution. And at the same time, we've already talked about like we're expecting muted transactional uh, activity to happen in Q3. And so there's these two forces combined together uh, of like the banks wanting to ease off, be more prudent, and there's also lower activity. So we're expecting lower new lending by the banks. That, that isn't to say that there aren't lending opportunities because there's a huge amount of requirement for recapitalization of existing loans and new uh, financing for opportunity purchases. But I, I think the expectation is it's going to come from more the alternative sector than the banking sector. Thanks very much, James. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Nicole. Um, Thank you for joining us. And we'll be back again next week for our regular roundup of the key themes in real assets. Thank you.